0: Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630 thanks for listening. Amen. Well, before we dive into the word this morning, we're going to take a moment to pray. Uh, today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. Uh, and this day began uh, many years ago, it was proclaimed by then President Ronald Reagan as a day to celebrate God's gift of life and to remember those lost uh, to abortion. So I'm going to invite you church family. would you just bow your heads this morning? I want to offer a prayer today. and I don't want you to listen to my prayer. I want you to pray with me as we stop and remember um, on this day. Dear Heavenly Father, you you are the creator of all and the giver of all life. You have created us in your image to reflect your glory to the world. And we praise you for the work your hands have done on this Sanctity of Life Sunday. We mourn that many of your precious sons and daughters have had their lives taken from them. We grieve their absence today and every day. This morning, Lord, we, we repent. We ask for your forgiveness for the times in which we failed you. We humbly come before you knowing that all of us, Lord, have fallen short of your glory. We ask that you would forgive us our sins through the blood of Jesus. Sanctify us, Lord. Sanctify us. Restore us to right relationship with you. Open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds, open our hands as we seek to serve you and glorify you and love one another. Transform us into new creations, Lord. May we truly be your hands and feet in our world, serving others like Jesus came to serve, loving others like we are to love ourselves. Jesus, today we pray. We thank you that you made a way for us where there seemed to be no way. We pray today that you would breathe new life into us. We pray you would increase our empathy, Lord, our compassion, our love for every neighbor, no matter their age, no matter their race, no matter their ability, background, or need. Thank you for the answers that we can see right now, even in recent months. Make us heroic ministers to moms and dads facing challenging pregnancies and to the babies we haven't even met yet. We pray we would be people whose hearts echo your own heart for your people. Help us to be champions of all life, Jesus. Strengthen us, equip us to do your work in our community, in our world. May we stand courageously for what you've taught us. May we give you glory in all that we do. We love you, Lord. We praise you on this day and every day. In your holy and mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining me in that prayer this morning. Uh, What if, church, what if this is all there is? What we can see, what we can touch, what we can hold, what we can achieve, what we can buy, what if this is all, all that there is? You live the best life you can with the time that you have, the memories, the friendships, the joys of life. Yes, they're great, but then that's it. That's all there is. Maybe you believe that's true. Maybe that's how you feel like your life is right now. But I'd suggest to you that that is, that is really the definition of hopelessness. And that is not how we were created to live. This morning, I want to tell you the truth, but more than that, I want you to experience the truth. Three years ago, uh, we began uh, articulating our mission in a brand new way. Our mission statement is our call as a church to be obedient to what God has called us to do. And to be clear, we've been obeying the voice of the Lord for more than three years, but we feel like it's important for us to articulate what does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to be obedient to the Lord? And that's why we have a mission. Because it points us in the direction of being obedient and faithful to the call of God. And and so uh, our our mission, it's on the screen behind me, is this transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. And in this new year, we're diving into our mission. Not just that we want to know our mission, but we want to be engaged in the mission. We need every single person engaged. It's not just that we want you. Look, look, look. If you're here today, it's not just that we want you to be engaged in our mission. We need you. In this new year, we need every single person, nobody on the sideline, every person engaging in the mission to which... We have been called. So the first message in our series, we began the new year talking about that word, the first word in our mission, transformed. That, that we need the transforming power of God in our lives. If you don't believe that's true, look at your neighbor because they'll start nodding in your direction. You need it. Let me tell you. We need, that was supposed to be a joke, sorry. Uh, we need the transforming power of God in our life. We can't transform ourselves. We can't. We need his power at work in us to transform us into his image, for his glory. Uh, Two weeks ago, we took a little bit of of a break for for our winter retreat celebration last week with our students. But the second week in our series, we talked about uh, really the critical point of our mission is God. He's the source. We're transformed by God, his power. He's the only one worthy. He's the only one worthy of our worship. He is the true source. Without him, none of this is possible. It's all centered on him, no one else, nothing else but him. We are transformed by God. Can you repeat that after me? Transformed by God. We can do a little bit better, uh, be a little bit louder than you think is appropriate for a 9 o'clock service. Okay. Transformed, by God. transformed by God. That was better, that was better, that was good. Thank you, that brings us to this morning's theme. I want you to imagine a picture with me this morning. I want you to imagine that you're on a ship and the ship is sinking. Now, I've already tapped into your worst nightmare, some of you, so forgive me for a minute, but go with me on this journey. Imagine you're on a ship and the ship is sinking. But good news, for you, for you, uh, a lifeboat has been provided. And as you aboard this lifeboat, good news, you aren't going to drown. You are saved. But as you look Around, you notice there are many seats available, many unoccupied seats on this lifeboat. But now you look, and the ship is sinking, and there are still many people aboard. You look out across the water, and there's many trying to tread water, desperately flailing around, trying to find a way to survive. You look and see the faces of people who are afraid and desperate, for help. The question is, what will you do? How will you respond? Today, I want to talk to you about the gift that we have, the gift that we get to bring to a sinking world. It's the gift of hope, the gift of of hope, we're going to be in Romans 15 today. I would love it if you would turn and, and open God's Word uh, together today, because we are transformed by God. We're transformed by His Word. We want His Word to produce uh, the fruit in our lives. We, we want the seed of His Word to be planted within our hearts today. And so we're going to be in Romans 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, and we began January 1st right here in Romans, Romans chapter 12. But we're going to be back here today uh, as Paul walks us through and helps us understand this gift that we have called hope. So verse eight, verse 8 of Romans 15 says this, For I tell you that Christ has become a servant to the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy." What is Paul beginning to say? Well, well he's, he's reflecting on the fact that the Jews were God's chosen people. We talked about this in, in week two of our series. We, we were in Exodus chapter 20 talking exclusively about the children of God, the Israelites. And why were they called God's chosen people? Well, they were promised that the Messiah would come through their lineage. And guess what? That happened. Paul's saying God kept his promise to you. He kept his promise, but that promise was not just exclusively for the Jews, as some believed. Paul is saying in verse 8 that the promise of God's incredible gift through Jesus is not just exclusive to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. Who were the Gentiles? They were were the non-Jews, like you and me, many of us in the room today. So many believe that they were excluded from God's deliverance and his promise, but, but Paul says, no, 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 that's not true. This is for all people. And then, what's he going to do now? He's going to quote the Old Testament. That What we're about to read is a lineage of different quotes from the Old Testament, from the Old Covenant, as he's reminding the Jews, God has kept his promise and fulfilled these promises. So, so now look, look with me as we continue reading. As it is written, that's Paul's fancy way of look back in your scriptures, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing of the praises of your name. This is from 2 Samuel 22 and Psalm 18. Then, verse 10, Paul goes on. As it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. It's from Deuteronomy 32. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. This is from Psalm 117. One more time, verse 12, he's going to quote, The the prophecy from Isaiah. He says, and again, Isaiah says, this is the prophecy that ultimately would point to Jesus, right? Again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up. The one who will rise will rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. And I want you to pay specific attention to these last words. It's not Paul's words. He's reminding us the prophet. The prophet Isaiah declared these words generations before Jesus would ever come. But look at these last words with me, and in the next slide, I've underlined it. In him, the Gentiles will hope. Paul points us back to the prophet Isaiah because Isaiah points us to hope. These promises throughout the Old Testament were not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles because of the Messiah, because of the promised Jesus, there is hope. For all people. And this is a beautiful prelude to get us to Romans 15, verse 13. If you need a verse in, in this new year to challenge you, to encourage you, to inspire you, uh, if you're praying that the Lord would use a verse, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite you on the journey with me. Romans 15, verse 13. Listen to these words May the God of hope, this, this is Paul again, he's quoted the Old Testament, now he's bringing us back and he's saying, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, this is a verse that you could pray over your life daily. This is a verse that you could have written somewhere and you could begin your day and your day's crazy and you burned your toast and your coffee's not good and you're late for work, but you look at it and you're reminded, may the God of hope, Fill you can put your, yourself, me, <laughs> with all joy and peace, as I trust him. I'm making it personal, right? So that I may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is where Paul points us. See, first, I, I want to I talk first about the hope that's available to us today. It's available to every single one of us. Some of you came in the room today, and you thought hope was not possible for you, but, but you are included. We are all included in this hope. Uh, notice a couple things in this scripture that's really important. First of all, we're talking about hope in Him. In Him. That's what Isaiah's prophecy said. That's why Paul points us there. It says, In Him the Gentiles will hope. This is not hope. Uh, that's just kind of a a circumstantial thing. This is not just kind of hoping that things improve. My bank account, you know, there's a bank error in my favor tomorrow. Yeah, This is not the kind of hope that, I hope I win the lot. That's not the hope we're talking about. This is hope founded in the person of Jesus Christ. Hope in Him. We all want hope. No one in this room wants to go through life feeling hopeless. Some of us have felt that way before, right? right? We all want hope, and we look for it in so many ways, but Paul is pointing us to hope in him, and then, and then he doubles down in verse 13, he says, the God of hope. This is who he is. He's the God of hope. To know him is to know and experience hope. And so, this is what I want you to know today. This hope that we're talking about, this hope that we are all invited to receive today, is both, is both a forever and a right now kind of hope. And it's important to understand both. We are talking about today a hope. First of all, let's let's, let's talk about the first part. This is a hope for forever. Do you know today that if you are in right relationship with Jesus Christ, you have an eternal hope? It's true. Because of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, because uh, through the blood of Jesus... That we were made righteous. We should be enemies with God because of sin. There's an irreconcilable gap there. A divide that we could not cross. But the gift of Jesus Christ made a way for us to be in right relationship with God. And because of that, we have an eternal hope. An eternal hope that this life is not all there is. When you hear that, when you feel that, that is a lie. And it's not true because of the eternal hope that we have through Jesus Christ. That's why Paul, same Paul writing here, he writes to the church in Philippi. And he's writing these words. And if you didn't understand eternal hope, this sounds like the words of a lunatic. This sounds like somebody who does not have a grasp on reality, but he does have a grasp. He has a grasp on eternal hope. This is what he says. I eagerly expect and hope. There's that word again, right? This is what he's writing in Philippians 1. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have complete boldness so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. Then he says this. For me to live as Christ... And to die is gain. Now that sounds like an absolute crazy person. Except Paul understood the eternal hope that he had. Paul understood this is not all there is for me. So if I'm living, man, that's great. But if I'm dying hey, I'm good with that because I'm with Jesus. I have an eternal hope, and so there's nothing happening here that far outweighs that, and I want you to know that. I don't want you to know it. I want you to believe it. I want you to build your life on the foundation of that because whatever you're going through today, when you compare it to an eternal hope, it ain't that big. It's not because we have an eternal hope, but, but it's more than that. Paul is not just confident in this eternal hope of heaven He's also confident in the hope that we have right now. This is not just a buckle down, get through, we've got to survive. I know it feels like that in this world. But Paul is declaring that there is hope today. Don't take my word for it. Look again in verse 13. What does he say? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. In other words, as you trust in him now, not just as you trust in him for eternity, not just as you trust in him that one day when he calls you home to be with him and you get to go and be with him in heaven. That's beautiful. But may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him today, as you trust in him Right now, as you trust him when you get up to work tomorrow and you don't know how you're going to face the uncertainty of your day. As you go home and you're engaging in relationships with people that are broken and hurting and you feel overwhelmed. May you, may you, the God of hope, fill you with joy and peace as you trust him right now in this moment. May the God of hope fill you today, moment by moment. Because I, I don't know about you. I, I, I want and need an eternal hope. I am grateful for that. Nothing in this world compares to that. But I, I need hope right now. I need hope when I'm facing circumstances and I don't know what to do. I, I need hope when I don't have all the answers. I need hope when I feel overwhelmed and uncertain. I need hope when people around me are hurting and I don't know what to do. I need hope now, and the good news about the hope we're proclaiming today, is it's both. (laughs) A a one-day, eternal, forever hope, and a hope today, today. See, hope changes everything. Literally, it will change your life. I was thinking about this recent study that was done with lab rats. What in the world could lab rats teach us about hope? Well, apparently a lot. (laughs) There was this example they did several uh, years ago where researchers discovered the power of hope, through some simple rats. They began by testing a group of rats and seeing how well they could swim, and the answer was, not very well. (laughs) They put a group of rats in some water, and within the first hour, most, most of all had drowned. But then they had an idea, and they began to test their theory. The second group of rats was not just left alone to figure out how they could swim. Every now and then, every few minutes, they were lifted out of the water, not for long, and then placed back in. And the researchers continued to do this periodically, just lifting them out of the water for just a brief few moments and then placing them back in. And the results were astounding. The second group swam for over 24 hours. Why is it, why is it that one group could swim and tread water and make it for so long and one group could not? The presence of hope the presence of hope. Those animals somehow hoped if they could just hang on a little bit longer, someone would reach down, and they could break, catch a breath. And so they kept going and kept going and kept going. And if that's the power of hope in lab rats, imagine the power of hope in you and me. There are people right now Don't look now, but they're sitting next to you. They're sitting in front of you. They're sitting behind you. Right now, there are people experiencing the reality of hope. Also, at the same time, there are people. There are people here with us this morning. There are people that I've been praying for this week that are part of our church family, and they're experiencing the reality of some really hard things in their life. Couple of families I know of that this week they're experiencing the reality of cancer. Cancer is their reality, and cancer sounds like a pretty hopeless word. It does. But yet, well, one friend I was talking to this week is expressing his words, not mine, hope even in the midst of cancer. How is that possible? Well, his hope is found in Christ. Now, he knows. God can heal. He knows God, God can provide, all of those things. But, but he is expressing both an eternal hope that there is something that far outweighs any diagnosis and any cancer battle and any sickness that we can experience in this world, an eternal hope and a promise that God will never leave him, that he will never forsake him, that moment by moment, his next breath, he has hope in the person of Jesus Christ. Hope. Hope today. For many of you, I don't have to tell you about the power of hope because you've experienced it. Haven't you? There's no other way to explain it. There's no other way that you can remember those moments and you can remember just how low and just how dark and just how empty it seemed, but yet God carried you. He gave you hope. It didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense today except It's hope in him, in him, his presence, the presence of hope in him. It got you through, and today you're still swimming, aren't you? It's hope. So I began, I I said all of this to help you understand the nature of hope, but the good news for us is that's that's only half the story. No doubt today, I, I have an invitation, a divine invitation. It's not me, it's him. The Lord wants you to experience that kind of hope. And if you're here today and you're not experiencing that, then you don't have to leave this place how you came. That's a beautiful invitation. But that's not the full message this morning, and it's not Paul's full message. Look again one more time. I promise you, Romans 15, 13. Look again one more time, because what Paul describes here is really our mission in action as a church. What does he say? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That's part one. That's all that we've talked about thus far, right? Hope in him. Hope today. Hope for eternity. Hope that is a gracious and generous gift from our Father to us. But that's not the end of the verse, is it? Paul goes on to say, so that, now hang on. This gift of hope that fills us with joy and peace as we trust in him, that's awesome, right? But Paul Paul goes on to say, but there's more. May you experience that gift of hope so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Church family, today I want you to see that it's not just about you experiencing hope. I pray that you are. I pray that you will. I pray that if you came in here feeling hopeless before you leave today, that you get to walk out declaring that there is hope in him. I pray that's true. But it's not just that you and I get to experience hope, but we are called to share that hope with others. I have uh, Gloria, my friend's going to help me here for a minute. She's going to bring something up here for me. Because I, I want you to visualize this, and I, I like to visualize things. I told her she doesn't have to sing and she doesn't have to get up on stage, but she does have to hand me a bowl of water, so thank you. Oh, and she brought Rick, too. Thanks, guys. Give them a hand. Isn't that what you do when people come up and help you? Okay. If I was a magician performing and somebody brought me something, I would have you cheer, so that's what I did. All right, I, I, I brought some, uh, some objects with me. There. I'm going to put my notes here so I don't short-circuit my iPad uh, this morning and baptize it. I want you to imagine with me... And this is just because I'm going to spill. I want you to imagine with me uh, Romans fifteen thirteen 13 and, and what Paul's talking about here. Because he's talking about hope, that, that we experience hope in him, and then that hope overflows. And do you know that Greek word for overflows is not just this idea of a little bit of, it is this idea of spilling over, that it's so saturated and so filled that it spills over. So I want you to imagine this morning a couple things, so bear with me. I want you to imagine this morning that this is you. You are the sponge, okay? In fact, uh, to make it as easy as possible, um, I, I put eyes on the sponge, but one eye just fell off. So we're going to just pretend like, I don't know if that's creepy or weird, but visualize with me, uh, this is you. I'll fix the other eye before the next service. Don't tell them. Don't give it away, okay? I want you to imagine this is you. That's going to distract me, so I'm going to do this. Okay, imagine though, with me, this is you. I ask my kids... Uh, They thought the eyes were cool. I asked them what we should name the sponge. They said we should name it Bob. I wondered why in the world would you name a sponge Bob? Some of you get it. Some of you don't. Just, um, it's okay. I'll be here all week. Um, All right, this is you. Bear with me for a minute, okay? I, I I want us to see and visualize what Paul's talking about here in Romans 15, 13. So he's saying that we would experience hope in him... And that the hope that we experience would overflow. Now, do you think, Paul, when he's talking about overflow, do you think the connotation he's giving here is like this? That we experience some hope. And maybe that's, that could describe how some of us kind of live our lives. We want just a little dash of hope. Just a little. Not so much that it really drastically impacts our life. Not so much that it causes us to have to live differently or just a little bit. Maybe we show up to church when we can, when it works out on our schedule. Maybe we don't join a group because that's crazy. We don't want to do any of that. So we just, just a little dash. Is that the kind of hope that Paul, hope that overflows? Is this overflowing hope? Not really. All right, bear with me. You think Paul is talking about uh, like this, like, like this, Now, now maybe this kind of looks and describes like some of us. It's it's not a mist. It's just a little bit, a little bit of hope. Maybe you you read your Bible just a little bit. You know, not too much. Don't have time for that. Maybe you pray just a little bit. It's good. It fills you up, gives you a little feeling inside. But but that's it, just just a tiny little splash of hope. Maybe that's kind of what your spiritual journey looks like. Just a tiny little bit. And every now and then a little drop or two comes out. But most of the time it's just enough to fill you up and you're feeling good. But that's all it does. Is that what Paul is describing when he talks about overflowing hope? I don't think you have to be an expert on Greek to understand that when Paul is speaking of overflowing hope, he's not talking about this this misting or this tiny little bit, right? He's talking about this. He he is saying, the eye is floating in the water, it's distracting me. He's talking about that we experience the hope of Jesus in such a dramatic way that it is poured out into our lives. Sorry about that. In such a powerful way that we cannot help but ooze out. We can't hope. It's not just a matter of when we're squeezed. Oh, when we're squeezed, it comes out. It's not even when we're squeezed. That we're living our... I need a bigger bowl for the next service, right? When we are living our lives moment by moment, his hope is poured out into us so much that it overflows. So that when I'm going into my workplace tomorrow... There is hope spilling out of me. So when I'm driving home today and I'm looking across the street at the neighbors that drive me, there's hope spilling out of me, that there's compassion, that there's empathy, that I am moved and compelled to care about people that I normally wouldn't care. Why? Because the hope is pouring out of me. It is overflowing in my life. This is the picture that the Apostle Paul wants us to have. Not just a hope like this, a hope that we get to experience and, ooh, that feels good. But it doesn't change your life. It doesn't impact those around us. We don't ever share it with anyone else. It never drips out of us. Not even a hope. That's just little dashes at a time on a Sunday morning or a little bit, yeah, that was nice. But we largely keep it for ourselves. No, a hope that overflows. It pours out of us so much that it gets the stage wet. It's all over the table. right? It's hope you can't contain because it's overflowing hope. That is the image that the Apostle Paul wants us to have as we look at this idea of hope. It's hope that we can't contain. It's hope when when a sponge is fully saturated, you can't hold it in anymore. It's dripping everywhere. That's the picture that I want you to have. That's the picture that our mission calls us to, that we are transformed by God to bring hope, to others, We have been so transformed by the power of God in our lives that we are dripping, we are overflowing with hope, that we have experienced the powerful hope in such a way that it is dripping out of us into every person that we meet. That's the mission. That's the mission that we've been called to. That's why, as a church, that's why, as a church, during the Christmas season... When when it could have been about us and it could have been thinking about our needs. That's why we invited you to give towards the drummer boy. And we received one of the biggest offerings we've ever received. Why? So that we could give hope away. 110 different households experienced hope through that one offering. That's why we do that. That's why in just a couple weeks we're planning uh, something we call hunt to harvest. You know, I know nothing about hunting. That's not news for anybody in the room. You looked at me like, yeah, we can tell, right? Uh, Nothing about that. And I'm not even passionate. We're not even passionate about it. Let's just have a nice dinner and have a nice speaker. Let's have a good time. That's not it. We want people in our community to experience hope, right? So we're hosting an event, and we're inviting people in, people that would never maybe step foot in a church otherwise to come and hear about the hope of Jesus. That's why we do things like that. That's why we have Kids Harbor, 150 kids down the hallway of our church every single day. Some parents that want nothing to do with the church, some of them that know nothing about Jesus, but we hire staff, and we love on them. Why? Because we want them to experience the hope overflowing out of us, dripping into their lives every single moment. It's why we have hope distributed. There's hungry people in our community There's hungry people in our community, and we don't want to just provide them food. That's great. We love that. But we want them through our lives, through our church, to see that there is overflowing hope available to you. And so we want to serve and meet needs any way we can because we want you to understand there is hope in Christ available to you. This idea, overflowing hope, it changes everything. It's why as a church we can't. We will never be satisfied with just who gathers. I love this. We're going to do this as the God has called us to, but we're always going to point us beyond the walls of this building, of this location, of our life groups, of our gatherings. We're always going to point ourselves beyond because that's what hope does. It looks not just at who's in the lifeboat with me, but who else is out there on the sea treading water? Who else needs to experience the hope that we have experienced? Amen? I want to make sure, I want to make sure you hear me today. The band is coming, and uh, each week in our series, I've prompted you, I've encouraged you to lean into a specific prayer, a prayer of action, a prayer of response, because this is not just a series about information. I pray this is a series about transformation as we engage in the mission. I pray this is not just, oh, that's a neat visual. I pray that, that's, that's encouraging you, that's empowering you. Wow, I want, I want to live like that. And so you'll see the prayer on the screen. I don't want to get my notes back out because I'll mess up my iPad. But this is the prayer for us today. And I want to invite you to place this prayer over the grid of your life. That that today, whether, whether you are struggling to experience hope in your life or whether your life looks a lot like this, just a misting of hope that never pours out, that never impacts anyone else but yourself, today I want you to lean in to this prayer. God... Fill me with your hope. For some of us, we could stop right there because maybe you don't know that you've experienced the hope of Jesus. And that that first part of the prayer is powerful. God, fill me with your hope so it overflows into the hearts of those you send to me. Do you know what's true? We're called to go and we believe in that, but do you know what's also true? As you pray and as you seek the Lord, he's gonna send people to you that need hope. Think about that you know what excites me about that? Because I really want the living hope of Jesus present in my kids' schools. But you know what's really cool? God uses my kids and uses some faculty and teachers and staff who embody the hope of Jesus, and he sends them into those schools And as they go, that overflowing hope, God's going to send people to them. He's going to put people in their life that need to experience that in your workplaces, in your schools, in your communities. The Lord's going to send people to you that need hope. And today, your prayer and my prayer is, God, would you fill me with hope so much that it spills out of me? My youth pastor growing up, he would talk about oozing Jesus. That always made me cringe a little bit. Sounds kind of gross. But that's what he's talking about. That I would experience the hope of Jesus in such a powerful way. He would ooze out of me. People come into contact with me. They're coming into contact with real hope. We're gonna sing a a final song and and spend some time in prayer. I love the words of this chorus to the song that the band's about to lead us in because it says, Spirit of the living God, come and fill me up. Fill me up to overflow. And today, that's the prayer. God, fill me with your hope so it overflows into the lives of all those that you send my way. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. May your word not return void. May it accomplish the purpose that you've set out for it in our lives. Today, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice who feels hopeless today, may they find hope in you. And as a church family, maybe be reminded today of the call that we would be so filled with hope that it would overflow into the hearts and lives of every person you send our way. We love you and we need you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.